Graham Potter and Chelsea needed a win to make a surge for the top six, or better yet, the top four of the Premier League. After a disappointing encounter against Borussia Dortmund, they really needed to win at home against Southampton. While their counterparts were dead last in the Premier League and also needed a win in order to fight to avoid relegation. Let's see how the game went. Now sit back, relax and take this in. Chelsea lined up in a 4-2-3-1. We saw the pivot of Mateo Kovacic and Enzo Fernandes for the first time. Tatro Fafana got his first Premier League start. Southampton had a very interesting approach to the game, tactically. They're playing a 4-4-2 with one big striker and one mobile striker. And they had a double pivot of Romeo Lavia and James Ward-Prowse. They were both box-to-box in how they are positioned. Southampton had a fairly good first half. They were quite provocative towards Chelsea in how they would intentionally cause fouls that were not really warranting cards in order to stifle Chelsea's momentum in any way, and they succeeded in doing that. Chelsea didn't look to really assume dominance in terms of position and keeping Southampton defence preoccupied. They didn't even seem interested in the first half in initiating a press or sustaining a high level of pressing. This is something I don't quite understand from Graham Potter. I don't, I haven't really seen what he wants to do as far as pressing is concerned. Because of the lack of pressing and other issues, lack of ball progression up the field, Chelsea often saw themselves deadlocked with Southampton. Neither Neither team really made efforts to assume complete dominance of the game, particularly in the first half. We can see this in the stats because Chelsea had 49% ball position while Southampton had 51. The shots were fairly balanced and everything was fairly balanced. The, The teams both created one big chance in the first half and missed. Now, when you look at the goal that was scored, which was the only goal of the match, uh, by James Ward Prout, the free kick specialist, one might say it is just a free kick and James Ward Prout is the best free kick taker in the world. I agree, James Ward Prout is the best free kick taker in the world, but it wasn't just a free kick, it wasn't just a normal free kick. The free kick came as a ripple effect or the product of a ripple effect of one error by one man who keeps doing the same thing over and over again, Khalidou Koulibaly. Khalidou Koulibaly throughout the game and in in previous games as well, he's been lunging into tackles and missing horribly. So there are two things that happen when Koulibaly lunges into a tackle. Either it's mistimed or it's a foul. He doesn't time his tackles well and if you ask me, he doesn't need to do those tackles. He doesn't need to go into those tackles. Just need to guide the player and just make sure he keeps the the defense structure intact. When you look at Badi Achil and how he plays, calm as you like, cool as you like. Doesn't lunge into tackles. Um, everything of his is, is, is premeditated. You can see that this is a player that plays within himself. He's not trying to do too much. And he's only 21. Khalidou Koulibaly is a seasoned professional. 
season he's a veteran but lunging into tackles ill-advised i don't know what's going on with him i don't know because he's consistent it's like this is how he plays he's just someone that lunges into tackles going back to how the the fiki came about kulibali lunges into a tackle misses horribly creates a hole in the in the defense and southampton starts pushing numbers forward now badia shile chilwell and aspilicueta now left scrambling and obviously in the scramble of trying to cover the hole left by Kalidou Koulibaly. A foul arose from there where Southampton were looking menacing and a foul arises and obviously arises in a, in a, in a dangerous position when you are playing against James Watt-Prowse and a goal comes from there. A free kick by James Watt-Prowse will always be accepted by footballing, uh, f- footballing fans, myself included. But I think the problem is now If Southampton got a, a, a free kick which was in that position, it's okay, you know, it's a goal. But it shouldn't come because of a reckless error by Koulibaly like that. And we saw the effect of all of this um, because Graham Potter agreed with me for once and took out Koulibaly for Wesley Fofana. Fofana was immense. He was calm, he was stifling the Southampton counter-attacks in the second half and with, with, with ease, with, with keeping his poise like he was within himself the same with Padiashil which is why I think they, they are a great pairing together now Chelsea weren't creating chances or haven't been known to create chances and put themselves in positions to win when the score is deadlocked this is a problem that I have with Chelsea they start turning up when they are losing most of the first halves they've been playing dating back to the first game they played against Fulham First half just seems non-existent for Chelsea. The only game where they had a first half where they wanted to go and impose themselves was the West Ham game. And even after they scored, then they started lowering their guard and just uh, playing uh, without uh, particular purpose of dominating the opponent. We see this in the first half and how there's parity almost in every statistical category. And generally, Chelsea ally Dasik in the first half and when the score is deadlocked 0-0 second half that's when you saw Chelsea try to turn it up and they were having difficulties because it seems like they don't know how to break down teams or how they as a team want to play offense I've been complaining about the progression of the ball from defense to midfield to forwards it's 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 inconsistent and most times it's in, it, it it's wasteful they're wasting time and You might say, you are looking at it from the TV, you don't see the game through their lenses. But to a certain extent, the number of passes, the back passes that Chelsea players generally like commit is, is ridiculous. They are consistently passing the ball back, they're not looking for difficult passes. Because in football, you have to, you have to be brave, you have to take difficult passes and attempt them. They might not work, but when they work... A lot like it's it's one of those things of high risk high reward and and with passes sometimes it's it's high reward and low risk because you guys are not particularly a position heavy team so you might as well attempt those nice passes the only type of passes that Chelsea attempts are long passes over the top with no aerially uh, gifted player so it doesn't make sense particularly Koulibaly he likes shooting the ball up Aeroplane football, 
I don't, I don't get it. Like that, he frustrates me so much. To be honest. Now talking about what Southampton were trying to do for them, it, it was very simple. Chelsea were not willing to dominate the game, so we're going to dominate it. And Romeo Lavia and James Watt-Prowse were influential in that. And aerially, they seek to use Peter Onachi as a way of um, winning the aerial duels in difficult position, in, in dangerous po- uh, positions. And from there, just having the other players rushing into the the ball laid up by Onachi. So basically, it's we put the ball in the air. This tall guy that we have will handle, will win the aerial duel. And in him winning the aerial duel, he'll set up chances for Sulemana, El Nusi, Stuart Armstrong, and, and and all the players that are on rushing. So it was just a, a simple game for them. Just put it in the air, work from there. And other channels, what they were trying to do is um, have Sulemana and Stuart Armstrong operating on the on the right wing and overloading Chilwell. And sometimes. Because we know Chilwell is very good in overlapping and making inverted runs, they wanted to exploit the space that Chilwell leaves behind. Spilicueta was fairly... He remained fairly back. Um, speaking of Spilicueta, prayers to him and his family. He suffered a very devastating uh, injury to the head. Uh, it was purely incident- coincidental. As in like it was accidental. That's the word I was looking for. But yeah, Graham Potter and his substitutions do not make sense to me. Again, he keeps making the wrong substitutions or combinations of substitutions. It's okay that Fofana didn't play well according to... Um, or maybe he wasn't needed according to Graham Potter after the first half year. I disagree with that, by the way. I think he should have been kept on. But it's another issue entirely. If you're going to make a substitution for Fofana, then put on Sterling, then the team is left without a striker. No striker. We know Kai Havertz is a striker slash uh, false nine, but without Kai Havertz and Dr. Fofana, Chelsea essentially have zero strikers in the game. And this saw Mason Mount playing as a center forward, and behind him was Yao Felix. Th- this was a joke. Like, I was trying to think about it. I was like, so Graham Potter made a substitution and then told himself that Mason Mount will play as a center forward. It does not make sense. For I mean, I can't even... I mean, I, I, I don't think you expect me to even tell you why it doesn't make sense. But the second part of it is... Mason Mount was having a weak game, a terrible game by, by, by my estimate. He performed worse than Fofana in the first half and even second half as well. I'd even go to the extent of saying what, what Fofana did, the, the, the movement and, and the, the nasty... He has to. Fofana is is, is uh, by Fofana I mean David Fofana. He is he's crafty, but he's also raw in that his movements and his touches need to be refined. But I can see potential there. I don't want to lie. I can see potential. I'm not sure yet if he's Chelsea top four potential or he's just potential for a mid-table team. But he's a good player and deserves to have more minutes in order for him to prove himself and gel with the team. I think that was an ill-advised substitution and it weakened Chelsea's offense. On the other hand, Chelsea created chances in the second half and they were just unlucky. As in, as with the, the Dortmund game, goal line clearances, Chelsea are menacing, they're trying to equalize and that didn't work. So yeah, I think I was, I'm not particularly mad at the scoreline because I watched the game and I saw they were trying to 
um, equalizer and some of these things like goal line clearances, especially the one by Perrault and Maitland Niles. Maitland Niles. I needed to be slow to pronounce that one. Those were clearances that you can't really blame anyone for. So yeah, um, Chelsea could have scored a lot of goals. But I think I'm, I'm more interested in what they do when they are not on the back foot. It's easy to assume dominance when you're on the back foot, especially against a team like Southampton. But you don't need to be on the back foot to start assuming dominance in a game. That's what I have a problem with uh, as far as the coaching of Porta is concerned. I don't think he's coaching or maybe if he's coaching, he's not coaching well. Uh, I'm not sure how much time we should give him to win games against Southampton. I think for me, particularly, it's not about winning because he can win playing ugly football. I just want to see him playing some brand of football. Him trying to do something as a coach. Chelsea trying to at least develop an identity. This is giving me nightmares of uh, Frank Lampard and what he is trying to do. Players are brought in, but there's no identity. There's not even a an attempt, especially for me as a fan. I can't even try to see what they're doing. Maybe I'm not tactically uh, tactically smart enough to understand. But yeah, um, great game overall by Southampton, particularly uh, Romeo Lavia. I feel I need to shout him out, to uh, send a shout out to him. He was brilliant and yeah, I need to take note of him more. A lot of people were telling me about him, but I wasn't watching or listening. But he got my attention. He's cooking. Anyways, that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or following the podcast on whichever platform you're listening from. And please, tell a friend to tell a friend to listen to Behind the Scoreline. Or better yet, just send them the link to this episode. Thank you.